ABC Listen. Podcasts, radio, news, music and more. Tonight we explore the future of live entertainment, hologram concerts, augmented reality performances and the ever-evolving metaverse. Stay with me, because this is coming at you. Whether resurrecting beloved artists in holographic form or immersing ourselves in virtual worlds, the landscape of entertainment is rapidly transforming. Imagine your favourite singer still rocking the stage, even after they've long left us for that great recording studio in the sky. All of these artists, of course, have been turned into holograms. Pretty woman, walking down the street. Pretty woman, the kind I like to meet. Yes, Whitney Houston's hologram tour, Michael Jackson's unforgettable Billboard Music Awards performance and the upcoming hologram star debut of Elvis later this year. We're going to be speaking to the man behind that shortly. Even for living legends like ABBA, their recent holographic concert in London is a unique way to take a chance and experience the magic. Moving on to the metaverse, which is like a big connected space, partly virtual, partly real, Imagine being in a place where you can do different things, just like in the real world, except you're not. Well, I don't know what's going to be real into the future. Right now, we're seeing it in the form of augmented reality performances. You pay, for example, 10 cents for a virtual clap, showing appreciation in a new way. It's a mix of computer-made backgrounds and music creating another way to experience live shows. And digital concerts are part of this change too. Platforms like the Australian Digital Concert Hall let you see all kinds of performances. And some use a subscription model where you pay a bit each month. Looking ahead, we might even have concerts in virtual reality where it feels like you're virtually there. Tonight, we're going to delve into the future of live entertainment with our guests. And joining us tonight, Associate Professor Shelley Brunt is Program Manager for the Music Industry Degree at the School of Media and Communication at RMIT in Melbourne. Uh, Shelley, good evening to you. Welcome to Nightlife. Great to be here, Phil. Thanks. Terrific to have you with us too. Patricia Howis is a consultant with expertise in the metaverse, in Web3 and AI technology. She'll explain these, so don't don't worry. Patricia, good evening to you. Hi, Patricia. Good evening, everyone. Yeah, gotcha. Uh, Richard Saunders is a director at Iconics, an Australian immersive environments company. They specialise in crafting captivating experiences through video and lighting and audio and architecture. His portfolio ranges from the Australian War Memorial to uh, TPG's Live Hologram and Wicked Productions. His projects also include the Commonwealth Games Baton launch and also Nike's marketing for Nadal. Uh, Richard, good evening to you. Welcome to Nightlife. Hi, Philip. How are you? Very well. And I mentioned Elvis, the king, uh, of course, is here. Simon Reveley, the head of studio at Layered Reality Studios in the UK, is the creative force behind Elvis Evolution, leading the design, production and tech aspects of this groundbreaking show, featuring an AI-powered holographic Elvis. The production set to make its debut in London later this year with shows planned in Las Vegas, Tokyo and Berlin. Whoa. <laughs> 
Maybe we should start with you, Simon. What's this show going to be? I mean, what are we actually going to see? Hi, Philip. Um, thanks very much for, for having me tonight. Um, what we do at Late Reality is quite different, I think, from what most people associate with technology-based live entertainment um, because we create uh, experiences that are often categorised as immersive theatre, but um, we think they, with the layering of technology, that we really take it to another dimension. So I, I often say to people it's a bit like stepping... Uh, into the middle of a film set just after the director's called action, uh, except you can look all the way around. There's no crew. There's no there's no cameras. You are literally there experiencing the moment. Um, we have um, amazing sets, just as you would have on a film set. We have live actors um, there in front of us that are um, essentially telling a story for us. So it is like being within the scene in a movie, um, but often the audience play a part in that scene in some way. So we tell these stories by taking the audience on a journey. They will go through a series of different scenes, a series of different sets. And in each of those scenes, there will be something different. Um, and we try to use technology in the places where you can't physically achieve an effect otherwise. So it's never technology for technology's sake. Uh, it's definitely not sitting down and looking at a screen, far from it. Uh, we try to make the technology as invisible as possible. Um, and really, as a company, we're about um, making memories. That's what we want to do for people. And your memories become much richer and much, much more richly encoded in your mind when you can piece together the kind of the normal world so you look around you in 3d space mm -hmm. there are real things there the sets the props the actors the lights the smell we use uh, all the senses so we have movement at times we have smell um and and most important of all we have the emotion of the story that you're that you're being told mm. richard you tell me what, what what is watch when you're watching a hologram what what are you actually watching well, I guess the the easiest way to explain it is you're watching you're watching a live projection, uh, and you're essentially tricking the brain into thinking that you, you're seeing a hologram, and that is through a number of techniques, through uh, hiding the the screen that you're projecting onto to create the illusion, and as well as you know the the, the mastery of the content product content production itself. So, uh, I guess in essence, you're watching. Uh, a live projection and that that can be that can come from anything from an ai generated uh model or you know a live uh a, a live webcast or a live feed from another country or it can become from a live actor wearing a motion capture suit you know that's actually bringing to life a a a model uh, that is being sculptured and and manicured to match an exact replica of of a of a guest or a, or an or an entertainment act, um, as well as uh, you know any anything else that that you can think of that you can essentially do use projection um, or or there, there are a number of techniques that we use, but essentially you're watching a projection or a, mm. or a, a live video or a recorded video. But Simon, am I looking at a three D Elvis? I mean, if I'm if I'm looking from a from a distance, am I thinking that it's Elvis on stage? From our perspective, we, we want to use the best technology for the job in order to keep the audience in the moment. So um, when you see Elvis within Elvis evolution, the idea is that you don't question that he's there. Um, so you, you will see Elvis. You will feel like you're in the room with him. That's ultimately 
what we want to achieve with as little focus as possible on the actual tech itself. I think if if people come away just talking about the technology, then mm. then we failed in our job. You know, our job is about entertainment and memory making. Um, so we we work really hard um, to try and hide the technology and and not make the technology the story. Although obviously it is interesting to talk about it. Um, so when you're in the moment, we hope you don't notice it quite as much. Mm. I'm trying to think of examples here. I'm thinking if you're watching a film and you're watching a film of Elvis, for example, you don't question that you're seeing Elvis on the film, but of course you don't think he's there. He's on a screen and that's the difference. And, you know, that can be a very moving experience, of course, Mm. but we're talking about something else here, aren't we? We are. And I think that where um, the word hologram is, is a a contentious word if you've, if you're in any way technical, Mm -hmm. Um, but, Ultimately, what we're talking about is creating the illusion that there is a person there in front of you. And that illusion, that holographic illusion, can be delivered using a variety of different technologies. Um, The important thing is that you're in a three-dimensional space, so you're in a room with other people, and you are all able to see the same person standing, or you believe that they are standing there in front of you. And if the illusion works, then you should really feel like he's there he's, he's on stage in front of you or he's, he's in whatever environment in which we're telling the story mm. it's fascinating isn't it <laughs> patricia how as a consultant as i say with the, with experience in the metaverse and web 3 and ai i don't know whether you've um, had a chance to see taylor swift in concert have you patricia um i haven't yet but i've seen the whitney houston one it was just groundbreaking impressive i loved it yeah. I mean, looking ahead, given the amount of effort and work and blah, blah, blah can, that involved in putting on a concert in front of 90,000 fans in a stadium with all of the associated palaver and, and, uh, and, and gear that that involves, might this seem like an old-fashioned idea uh, looking ahead that artists will just do it differently? Well, if you think about it, there are so many opportunities um, for artists, for example, using also virtual reality. So virtual reality um, is compared to the concerts, the live concerts that we just discussed, is really like wearing a headset and you're fully immersed in that virtual environment. Hmm. So a concert could, for example, um, take place in a underwater um, underwater environment. And I think this gives a next level of uh, of experience there's for example also disney who came up with some sort of tiles that are on the on the floor so you could also wear your virtual reality headset and then walk somewhere um for example to a merchandise booth or if you think about you know those technologies as an um, artificial intelligence that after for example watching the um the Elvis performance or um, Taylor Swift, you can ask them, for example, questions and they would answer <laughs> as if they would be there. Hang on. How would they, how does that work? How, how are they going to answer? Someone's, got, well, to write, someone's could, got to write that script, don't they? Not really anymore. So you could, for example, um, upload everything that Taylor Swift has said in for example, on stage or um, in interviews, mm. and you could replicate a persona, oh. pretty much like an avatar, 
which is coming alive. What, which is what AI can... is doing right. This is what AI is doing right now, isn't it? It's sample, exactly. It can sample a whole lot of things and then recreate a person's voice. I mean, I've been told, for example, that this program, Nightlife, for example, uh, might be subject to an AI version in the future where they've sampled my voice enough so that, uh, well, they know what I'm going to say about things and people would not know the difference. Is that what we're you talking know what? about? Happy, happy to try it next time in the show. Um, I have some software here and we can let the audience um, vote if they think it, it's, it's you, the real you. Or yeah, the we, should, we should do that down, down the track. Shelley, you've pointed out the, the challenge of responding uh, uh, to, the, uh, the, uh, to the audience's temperament in hologram concerts. I know you've been uh, involved in the Melbourne Symphony Orchestra's holographic performance with Maria Callas. Tell me about that. Yeah, I was um, fortunate enough to actually go to the performance of Maria Callas' A Hologram in Concert, which is a touring production that I think went to Melbourne and Sydney, maybe to Brisbane as well, but it's been touring around the world for, for several years now. And I saw it in Hamer Hall, which is, of course, the big concert mm. venue here in Melbourne, and I don't know, I've been in that hall many times to see... I might get you a little bit closer to that microphone, Jill, oh, sure. if, if you can. Yeah, I've been to um, that hall to see Melbourne Symphony Orchestra a number of times, so it was kind of unusual to go there and see a hologram, and I knew I was seeing a hologram. I mean, Maria Callas has been dead since the 70s. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but I found that, you know, the audience there, it's, it's, it's actually just a little bit different to what we're talking about with the Elvis evolution, for example, because the audience there, like we know we're seeing a dead performer. We're kind of there to see how does the technology work and how is it a realistic experience or not. And, I mean, I was there with my $150-plus ticket, you know, for a short performance um, and saw the MSO, 30 members of the MSO on stage and I saw the projection of Maria Callas. And look, I mean, to a trained ear who loves to hear operatic performance, you could say that her vocal range, her timbre, her tone, all of that is great because it's made from existing recordings of her voice. However, it's that visual connection between the audio and the lip syncing that can kind of trick you or, or just pull you out of that moment of trying to believe that, you know, she's actually alive and performing on stage. So I don't think, in, in terms of the concert venue, I don't think that we're too close to a sense of realism because the voice is being projected from speakers. So there's a directional sound, mm -hmm. you know, you're sitting in the audience, you can hear it, you can hear it coming from speakers, whereas the um, orchestral instruments, you can hear it I've got, obviously they're mic'd, but they're also coming from, um, resonating from the instruments themselves. So, you know, it really will depend on the venue, I think, in terms of the effectiveness and the, I guess, the believability of that hologram singing. That, might, might that, Simon, just be a matter of technology, though? I mean, I, I get the point that Shelley's making about the directionality of speaker systems, but that seems to be a, an issue which is someone interested in sound that you could fix, couldn't you? Yeah. No. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I also there are, um, you know, along with hologram, a much abused word at the moment is immersive. Um, uh -huh. There are uh, things labelled as immersive sound systems where they deliberately create arrays of speakers. So, you know, a lot of speakers all around you um, to be able to position the sound anywhere in the room, even for a large group of people. So, you know, there's there's different ways of combating some of those issues. And obviously... 
if you are at a, a live gig, you're used to the fact that the sound you're hearing is coming to you over a PA. So you're not necessarily going to be positioning the voice of the performer on stage with that performer. Um, but I think this is all about the context of the of the show that you're watching. You know, at the world that I work in, we create much more intimate performances. So this isn't about necessarily filling a stadium full of people and then putting a, a hologram on stage or even a whole a, kind of an arena. Our, our group, our audiences are smaller. Um, so we have a much more intimate experience. Um, and and that comes with a with a kind of a difficult counterpoint sometimes, which is you're a lot closer to the action. So you, um, you you don't get the benefit of that kind of that distance trick that can be used with uh, projection or with holographic effects mm-hmm. where you're so far away that you can't really tell the difference. I mean, if, if you've if you've been to um, a live gig recently uh, and, and it was a big one, you could well you know, sort of put put your arm out in front of you and see that the person on stage is probably smaller than your than your fingernail. Um, you know, you're quite some distance back from them. And a lot of the time we rely on the screens around the stage to tell the story of what's actually happening because you can't quite see it. In most in, in all big concerts these days, you spend yeah. as much time looking at the screen as you are at the stage. That's true. Yeah. Absolutely. Now, I think what you know, with the different formats that are out there, and obviously ours is is one way of giving people a, a great night out and um, and telling a story. Um, you know, we're creating different scenarios. So I, can't, I don't want to give the game away because our show hasn't opened yet. But, um, you know, you're not going to be in an arena. You're not going to be at a concert as such. Um, we, we are going to present Elvis in a number of different ways. Mm. And we're telling the story of his life, of the man, and most important of all, his music, his musical legacy, and celebrating his music. With someone like Elvis, there's, there's such a rich tapestry of um, of narratives around him as a man and, and his life. We're really focused on the music, um, the fact that he caused a kind of a cultural and musical revolution, and um, looking at how he went from this this poor boy in, in Tupelo through to becoming this icon, you know, and I, and I think the really exciting thing for us is that we do a lot of multi-generational um, experiences. We really think about, uh, you know, parents and children or grandparents and parents and children going together to our experiences. We've, we've got the War of the Worlds in London, which is the longest running immersive show in London. And there we literally do see, you know, grandparents bringing their grandchildren along and, and having a shared experience together. Mm. It's a very, very physical let's, experience. Let's try and unpack some of these terms because you're right. And we're getting some pushback from some in the audience too, who are saying, hang on, these these projections are not holograms. In fact, Simon, you're saying it's a very abused word. And Patricia and uh, and and Shelley, jump in on 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 this conversation too. Tell me, what's a hologram anyway, Patricia? It depends on the uh, on the definition. Um, it is a projection that acts like, or that makes you feel like the person or the object is actually there and i think you have to look at it from a user point of view Mm. if you are achieving that that it looks real and it feels like oh my god i can i can you know reach reach my arm and touch whatever you know the the person or um um, a a a dinosaur then this is a real really amazing hologram Mm. simon what do you think it is see my my text and mel says uh, I spent years making holograms and studied in the UK and the USA. These live projections are not holograms, uh, and neither of the two guests have spoken describing holograms. Holograms are not projections. The word hologram literally means the whole message. Your guest rightfully describes 
creating the illusion of the whole message of the experience of a concert of the concert please clarify this because holographers get really fed up with the misuse of the term hologram <laughs> see we've ignited yeah, a right. hornet's nest here I, I, I'm, I'm wading into things like a bull in the china shop here i know <laughs> help me but out i here. fully support i fully support this line of investigation to be honest with you i often get pulled up by people who just want to communicate the fact that we make a great show that entertains people when i get lost in the weeds of the technicalities of it but you know the truth is Nearly everything that we talk about in the world of entertainment as a hologram, strictly speaking, is not a hologram. Um, you know, that's a very specific technology. Um, however, it's a shorthand that people use. So I think if you've got someone who spent their life working in holography, they're probably really upset right now with your radio <laughs> because they, they absolutely, um, you know, have every right to say that's not a hologram. The fact is, though, everyone kind of gets it. They get the fact that it is a it is a artificial representation of someone that makes you believe they're there. Um, so it's a shorthand that we use when we're talking to people about how a character might appear. Um, but the truth is, what what comes under the umbrella of hologram within the world of theme parks and museums and um, concerts? Um, they're nearly never truly a hologram um, because they are a trick. I mean, the, the, mm. the, the most used technology is actually a, a bit of Victorian theatre technology. I'm not sure you can can you call it technology. It's basically a reflection. Can, can I jump in for a second? I just want to I just want to jump in at the moment because we've got to welcome some listeners who've been off with uh, with the Matildas elsewhere. But uh, let's welcome them into the program too. ABC Radio. You're listening to Nightlife. Nightlife with Philip Clark. And to everyone returning from the Matildas, a terrific victory, of course. And we are talking about the future of live entertainment here on Nightlife with some terrific guests Professor Shelley Brunt from RMIT, Patricia Howis, an expert in the metaverse and AI technologies, Richard Saunders, a director at Iconics, a content and immersive environments company in Australia, and Simon Revely who's the head of Layered Reality Studios in the UK, who are working on a big Elvis show. We're talking about the future of live entertainment and how it's all going to work. And we're talking about the definitions of what a hologram is. So, uh, Patricia, uh, uh, thanks, Simon. Um, Patricia, uh, Richard and Shelley, back to you. What do you think a hologram is? Shelley? Well, I might jump in and say, um, yeah, our texter that, that, messaged in just before to say that they were a bit cross that you know we don't have a very neat definition for them and it's their line of work so apologies there but I concur really with Simon here it's it's become a shorthand term it's become an umbrella term that the media use that um, even myself as an academic uses just to describe what we're talking about here which is the often a projection um, of an artist onto a screen. And it is referencing this old-fashioned technology, Simon. I think you might have been pointing out Pepper's Ghost, which is the um, early filmic technique. Um, But even we've seen other kinds of technology too called volumetric capture, um, which is also called a hologram. There's so many things. And, like, Phil, I actually... As a, as a researcher of music holograms and performances, I, I like to think more about um, the user experience too. Like, what does it mean? What's the purpose of these rather than getting into the tech myself? So I'm going to actually handball it back to really Patricia or Richard or Simon to come up with a definition Rich- that really suits our listeners. <laughs> Richard, you haven't put just five cents <laughs> worth in here. What do you think? Well, I, I think I think it's a combination of well, a combination of things, whereas the 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 definition is is exactly right with with what your listener said it's it's 
creating light in 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 thin air essentially uh and, and that's that's what we tried to recreate through various means through projections through you know other 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 mediums um and and the closest thing that we've come to it is is using projections and using uh, you know some some extremely transparent screens to create the illusion of uh, of a hologram and I, I suppose that's what we're, we're what we're best trying to do there is is maintain the illusion that there is a, a, a real hologram even though you know that it's, it's in the real essence of the word there there isn't one there mm. Yeah, Patricia, one of my texters, Marks from Mossman, says, if the idea years ago that once holograms got to a certain level of quality, would it be possible to create holograms of live sporting events, the Olympics, for example, and display them into football stadiums around the world so that people can enjoy an event like they're there? Well, I, I suppose the answer to is yes. To the point regarding, you know, what is a hologram, um, I think we are heading here in the same same direction. Hmm. But... What you can do these days, and with the Apple Vision Pro, um, which just got released a month ago, um, you, it's already being out there. Um, you can set up, for example, and use those augmented reality glasses where you can still see your entire environment. Let, let's say you're right now in a, a living room or in your, your studio. Hmm. So you can still see that, but you have multiple screens there. So you can, for example, um, see in, uh, the, the artist. Um, and from from close up, or you can see a from a bird's angle the entire stadium. So you can actually see different kind of um, angles. And from a, um, for the Olympic Games, for example, yes, you could um, look. Or for example, um, I think Formula One is one of the the bigger one where mm. there are already a lot of prototypes out there. You can see the entire track. You can have this overview um, of where are the drivers right now. Where are some accidents happening, and then you have another screen on the side which gives you all the um, all the stats and you know all the positions and all those little um, details about how many kilometers an hour they are driving or how long was the, the stop they did. Um, yeah, I know <laughs> it is it is completely fascinating. We talk we're talking about the uh, the future of live entertainment, Patricia. How are you just? Heard consult. I want to ask Patricia about more about augmented reality because it is a very very interesting. Tara's on the line. Sorry, waiting on there. Hello, Tara. Good evening. How are you? Very well. You're a muso. I am. I'm a trucky and I'm a musician. Uh, but what I'd like to say is, let's not confuse live entertainment with virtual entertainment. Go on. As a musician, the interaction between a band and an audience is a one-off experience. It's it's different each night. It varies. Uh, I've played in small venues, large venues, and everything in between. Uh, and with a virtual thing, you don't have that immersive experience, that exchange of energy, that interaction. Th- thank you. Let, let's put that to them. Shelley, do you agree with that? Yeah, I, I do actually. And even just um, riffing back to my experience as an audience member to see the Maria Callas mm. hologram in concert here in Melbourne, 
there was different techniques that were used to sort of manufacture this sense of exchange between the hologram and between the live Melbourne Symphony Orchestra and the conductor. So there was this sort of pre-recorded moment where Maria Callas, the hologram, would bow and acknowledge the conductor and the conductor would acknowledge her and there was this other sort of um, moment where she berated the um, conductor for starting too early before she was actually ready and, you know, ready to sing. And all of these moments, Alice, listener is pointing out, you know, they're not live moments, they're constructive moments with a pre-record, you know, this interaction between um, a portion of live um, performers and um, the hologram itself. But I think our caller is also just pointing to, you know, that sheer emotional experience that we get when we go to a purely live concert. And look, I was at Taylor Swift, I'll tell you what, I got my ticket. Um, <laughs> and and the magical feeling of being in, in the MCG with you know, nearly 100,000 people is not something I'm going to get um, at a, a hologram concert. Aren't you? Aren't you? Might, no. it, might it be even better, though, if you were on stage there up with with Taylor Swift and you could talk to her as Patricia says. Well, this is true and um, this really actually points to the future and we're, gonna, we're probably going to see this in Australia um, as to the kinds of experiences we will be offered. I think that we always have as that ground point what, what we understand to be a live music experience. In the crowd, maybe at a pub gig, seeing an awesome band, feeling the music resonate in, in your body and actually seeing you know the blood, sweat and tears of the performer on stage and also that moment of not quite knowing if they're going to give us an impromptu song we didn't expect or if they're going to have an exchange with the audience. You're never really going to get that um, unless it is live. But let me just riff on what I've just said there, Phil, and say that um, my colleague and I at the Kyoto University of the Arts, we've just been surveying um, the kinds of popular music hologram performances that exist in Asia. And it, today we've been kind of talking about Anglophone world and, you know, mm. Elvis and so forth. But in Asia, um, holograms are very much a, an accepted part of the quote-unquote live music experience. And we've been um, having a look at, for example, hologram theatres, which are freestanding, dedicated theatres that present like a dream lineup of K-pop bands, of Japanese bands. And you pay your ticket and you go in there and you do, you know, you do things like ask ask the ask the performers questions say can i have a photo with you and you take a photo of yourself with the hologram you know <laughs> that inter, that level of interactivity is 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 normal is normal in asia in, in particular in korea and in japan there's freestanding um theaters and and these have been around since about the the 2000s mm. Yeah, let, Patricia, help help me out with this because a lot of people we hear about the metaverse and and uh, an augmented reality, which that's what we're talking about. We, we are talking about people wearing headsets here, aren't we? So that depends. Um, there are like if you look at the metaverse, it really describes kind of the. The, the, the convergence between virtual, so everything that you can see completely virtual, like dinosaurs that you can see in front of your, hmm. um, and, and, and being immersed in a underwater world, to the extreme of that physical reality and everything in between. So, for example, as I mentioned before, with the augmented reality where you can see the physical space, but it gets augmented with um, digital objects, for mm -hmm. example, um, Flume uh, at the Coachella Festival 
um, gave this amazing performance and people could, you know, just put out their phones and see this really beautiful digital animation as well. So it is this next level of enhanced um, digital experience. Mm. Um, but, to the, but to that point um, regarding the, um, the, yeah, the pre-recording, I think it is for the artist a very different experience. But think about it. Travis Scott, for example, he was in a motion capture um, suit and was performing on Fortnite. He was um, draw. Um, this is Fortnite, the, the the computer game. Yeah, go on. That's right. He, um, he was attracting 12 million unique attendees for one of the concerts. Yeah. And during this entire concert um, round of five, he was getting 27 million viewers is insane and no actual you know life venue could ever achieve no well, it's i agree a very with, different sphere no i agree with that and it's a, a, a little understood factor I, I think which always well i think astonishes many people is when i tell them that is to say that the biggest screen-based entertainment formats in the world are, are computer games they're not films and television that the that computer games and their offshoots are bigger than all of these aren't they patricia that's right Yes, and it depends also on the demographics. Hmm. If you would ask, you know, my, my grandpa, um, what would be an immersive experience? For him, it would probably rather be a 360 video, so a concert that has been recorded live, and he literally just can sit there and just watch left and right this recording again, hmm. pretty much like a video, but around, you know, 360 degree around himself, himself versus those gamers who are used to seeing you know avatars and for example um, um an artist becoming suddenly a dragon and then <laughs> flying away you know i think that it's a very different level and how you are communicating with them and so you know the 16 year old um she loves this interactivity those um the polls that they um, provide and can give direct feedback to the artist mm. Richard, uh, how we? we uh, I, th I think one of the terms that uh, Simon was using before, which he said was also <laughs> overused and misused, was immersive, uh, which is kind of your area of operations too. How, how, what are you trying to do with these shows? Are you trying to convince people that they're, they're there in another place, or are you simply providing them with much more emotional and visual and sensory input? I think it's the, the second on that on that uh, the I guess the scope of the show defines what what that is and sometimes it's um, as an example in the war memorial we we created a, a an illusion of of some artifacts that that weren't there um, and and they were being presented as a as a, a you know a, an illusion of of the of the digital artifacts mm. and then in, in some instances we're using them in in live in live shows with with DJs, and we're presenting uh, completely CG visuals uh, that surround the DJ uh, and and it, it immerse the DJ in in these visuals and and really bring them into a new world of of visuals and 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 the user and the the, the guest experience you know and and that is all tied together with the music um, the, the the sonic the sound and and the lighting. Um, that is all, you know, being can be beamed around the world and and you know into the user itself, you know, in the in the in the environment. And most of these, 
most of these events are, you know, usually around the, the 1,000, 2,000, 3,000 kind of, uh, you know, users or, or, or guests in a, in, a, in a festival or in a, you know, nightclub. And, and those type of things are pretty, pretty prevalent right now. And, and everyone seems to want to like, buy tickets as quickly as they can and, and see that, that experience and, and experience of it for themselves, you know, when it's tied together with, with a production of lasers uh, and and the the music and and it's a, it's a younger demographic as as Patricia was saying it's very demographic you, you're not going to see fifty plus people at 50, 50 year old people plus at, at these events they're all you know seventeen eighteen up to twenty five um, and and they're the people that are buying these tickets uh, for those type of events that we do and and they're all you know they're the people that are chewing up this technology as, as quickly as, as they can. Yeah. Are there any, Patricia, are there any rules about the metaverse? What you can and can't do in it? <laughs> Not really. You could pretty much do anything. Actually, uh, people got married in the metaverse as well. So, uh, <laughs> but are there any, are there yes, any, are there definitely. any, are there any, I mean, the rules that apply to, I don't know, broadcast or what you can see on film and television, do they apply in the metaverse or not? Yes. So in terms of also ethics, obviously you have to make sure everyone's um, safe. Um, and um, yeah, but pretty much literally the idea is to recreate something that is the same as the real world and it can become even better, more beautiful and more interactive. Mm. You can see, uh, uh, Shelley, that in the future, well, not in the future, now, <laughs> that rather than the cost of travelling an orchestra, for example, and the massive expense of that, that using augmented reality, you could have a pretty authentic experience, in fact, indistinguishably authentic experience, using augmented reality, couldn't you? Yeah, I think you could. I mean, augmented reality is dependent, I guess, on the user having access to the technology. You'd need a headset. Yeah, Yeah, you need your headset or the right app on your phone, you know, to bring up the image and so forth. But I think in terms of holograms, um, artists are already considering, um, you know, the value of of not touring. For Mm. example, if we think... Let's all return to Taylor because why not? Yeah. If we think of Taylor, the, the press Taylor Swift's had recently about her flying around in her private jet or her boyfriend or something like that um, to different countries. You know, holograms obviously use energy to, to be created, but uh, it's much, much cheaper to have a hologram performing in multiple venues at the same time um, around the world, right? Um, <laughs> that's, that's, that's cheaper and it's greener as well. Um, but another thing to think about is performers who can't actually perform, um, living performers um, at a time. So I've got a few examples of what my colleague and I called absentee stand-in. So so in Korea, where you have compulsory military service, you you have... um, you know, you have pop stars going off and doing their military service um, and they they need to continue their career. So they have holograms continuing to perform um, for the year or so that they're actually out, you know, the human being is that actually physically using their body and the, the hologram continues to perform and the, <laughs> the star image is kept alive and audiences are happy. And the, brand, and the brand lives. Simon, heavens above, if Colonel Tom Parker had known this when Elvis went off to do his war service in Germany, we wouldn't have needed wooden heart, would we? 
No, but look, I, I think we're in, in danger a little bit of blurring the lines here between different technologies. Yeah. I think the metaverse, augmented reality, mixed reality headsets, you know, there's going to be a huge growth in that area. But I think a lot of what we've been talking about tonight still is rooted in the in the physical world, in yeah. the real world. It's, it's real people physically going to a venue. Having you're, still, you're talking about people buying tickets to, to a covered building. That's right. And watching something. That's right. That's right. And, and, you know, to some of the points that have been made earlier, again, it's down to the format of the individual show. But I know we always put great stock by having live actors, live performers. You know, with Elvis, we will have live musicians in the room so that there is an, uh, an interaction between the audience and the performers that can be very spontaneous. And although uh, in the case of Elvis, we're, we're being incredibly authentic to Elvis's, um, to all the material that we've got access to of the real Elvis. But in general terms, it is possible to create digital characters that can interact with an audience directly. Could you? Um, really? I, I did a project some years ago where we, where we had members of the audience directly talking to what they believed to be um, an AI character. In actual fact, we had a couple of actors who were comedians backstage who were puppeteering a character and had an amazing time with the audience. They were Googling what they were saying. They were coming up with information that they could never have otherwise known. And the audience were completely blown away. It was magic. And I think a lot of what we try to do in all of our shows um, blurs that line between technology and magic. And hopefully people come away not knowing how it was done and just having had an amazing night out. <laughs> it's doing my head in. Uh, Patricia, help, help me out here. So, so we could have what? We could have uh, projected figures inviting members of the audience on stage, could we? Yes, that's right. Um, I was, for example, also I was... I was in a rocket ship um, with um, Lance Armstrong, and you know he was right next to me, and it felt so real. <laughs> oh yes. Was he giving? Was he? Was he giving you? Was he giving you performance-enhancing substances at the time, Patricia? <laughs> <laughs> no, back in the days it wasn't. Um, but you know, with AI, I believe that you know all our everything that we are seeing, how we are interacting, can be tracked, and it can become you know the entire experience can become more and more tailored and customized towards what you enjoy and what you like seeing and what mm. you are, you know, what you're good at. Um, same in, in education, for example, if you have a real world body in front of you and you enjoy looking into, you know, um, uh, finding out more about how the heart works, you could, for example, zoom in and further develop that skill in co comparison with others. So, um, we're talking about the future of live entertainment. Um, Patricia Howis, just talking, a consultant with expert in the, uh, and expertise in the metaverse and AI technologies. Richard Saunders is with us too, director of Iconics, an Australian company which develops content and immersive productions here. Simon Revely is working on the Elvis show as part of other projects as head of studio at Layered Reality Studios in the UK. And Associate Professor Shelley Brunt is with us from... RMIT program manager for the music industry degree at the School of Media and Communication. This is him. That's an important point that Patricia's making here, is that Shelley? That in the end, it gets down to what people like and want, and will will pay to experience. Yeah. And as we've seen with you know the phenomenal growth in video games, for example, that would indicate that pe that people don't necessarily want actual reality that layered reality could be just fine 
I think that's true, and I'd love um, your listeners to to text in to say whether or not they would be, you know, keen to see or experience um, a different kind of a reality of a, of a music performance. Because I I feel like when we talk about music performances or shows featuring dead artists mm. resurrected in digital form, you know. It, uh, listeners um, have already got a particular emotional attachment, a relationship with that artist, and to sort of see them again might be a fantastic moment of nostalgia, or it might be a you know a moment of revulsion. You know, it's like this this pixelated image is profaning the dead and so forth. So I think it really depends on what um, or who, shall we say, um, the performer is, whether or not it's a, a wholly generated AI. Um, performer like they have in in Japan, they have um, 100% holographic virtual singers. Is that word hologram again? Um, mm. <laughs> that do live performances in stadiums, uh, and it's just you know a whole lot of pixels and never was an original person to begin with. Um, but then you know th- then you have those mixed feelings, like I was mentioning, when audiences uh, question the legitimacy and also the the ethics behind a performance of a a dead singer being resurrected in AI form because you know like we're skeptical aren't we like who's who's making the money here there's no agency or will from the dead performer you know like no offense to you Simon and I'm looking forward to my free tickets coming to the mail uh, for Elvis <laughs> evolution but you know would Elvis want to be resurrected in this kind of form for a for for a 3D experience you know we have all those things at play that audiences are thinking about Mm. I think it's a really, really good point, of course, Shelley. I, I think that um, when you look at things like Baz Luhrmann's fantastic film about Elvis, um, you don't hear the same questions being asked about something like that. You know, we we accept the fact that there are documentaries, there are films made about people who aren't with us anymore. And um, and sometimes, you know, the, you question whether the, the performer, the, the, that person would have wanted that film to be made of them. But um, the, the truth is... You know, we're working with the uh, with Elvis's estate. You know, we we have the worldwide rights by his estate, so his his family are aware of of the project and the fact that it's a celebration of his life, of his music. It's very much got the tone of um, really giving people an opportunity they might never have had before um, to to see him close up, to understand his story better. You know, as as the film did, you know, made me understand the Elvis story better when I watched it. It's my favourite film of the year, I think, when that came out. Um, so, you know, there's an opportunity here to celebrate the people that we value in our lives um, who've entertained us and, and given us amazing memories. And that's really what I think it should be about. There's all sorts of questionable angles when you start talking about what AI can do. Um, but AI is such a broad term, really, because, you know, in our case, we're very much using it in, in a visual way. We're not we're not having some computer sit there pretending to be Elvis and talking to people. That's absolutely nowhere near what we're doing. Mm. Um, this is about celebrating the man and his music. Mm. Although, uh, I, I guess just pursuing the, the Taylor Swift thing again, Shelley, and, and Richard, please jump in here too. Uh, for most people, it's so far away and they're, they have no actual interaction or at all with, 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 Taylor, with Taylor Swift that it might, be, it might be a much richer experience if it was more layered, if it was more immersive, to use that much disputed word again. In other words, if you want the Taylor Swift experience, uh, might there be a, a richer way to do it than, 
sitting in the cold and rain at an outdoor stadium. Oh, I don't, I, I'm going to jump in here because, you know, it was a sunny night when I saw it. Not everywhere. <laughs> Not everywhere. I, I, I feel for you, Sydney. Um, but I, I would say here it really depends on the fandom and the, and the characteristics of that fandom. So, for example, Taylor Swift's fandom is really absolutely fixated on this star that has a, an, a reputation um, and an image as being a down-to-earth person that speaks directly to fans, that has interpersonal, well, you know, relationships with them, messages with them, um, meets them afterwards, you know, puts uh, as a crowning moment of her concert, she puts a hat on a, on a chosen child um, as part of a concert. Um, I think that it depends on who the performer is and the kinds of fans that are there. I don't think that Taylor fans would accept, for example, a hologram performance as a substitute. What about, what about if they, if in the performance they could get Taylor to give, put the hat on them? Yeah, maybe. But I will say, though, that there was far many more million Australians that tried to get tickets and missed out than there were people who actually got tickets and could go. So as a substitute for the live experience, maybe a holographic or immersive or virtual reality experience would be something that fans would go for. Hmm. Richard, what do you think? I mean, are the claims for all this overblown, do you think? Well, no, I think that, you know, she she did it. As an example, Taylor did it. Uh, You know, she... When the Eras Tour first started, they they did live streams of it, uh, you know, into cinemas, uh, and 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 the production you saw, you know, fifty cameras that were, was cutting that live, and and you saw every angle of that show, mm-hmm. you know, very very intimately in, in a cinema. Uh, that in turn could be turned into a into a a hologram illusion, um, a, a live illusion of her being in the room. With the band uh, and and you know some some live production in it as well, and I, I think that's what what Simon's uh, you know I believe that's what Simon's trying to do as well is to try to bring that live production element of a of a of a live show into in, into an enclosed environment, um, and and it's just another stream for you know a, a live artist to to engage with the audience that that might not be able to get to a, a live show a one off live show as an example. That that might be production um, hamstrung by by not being able to get to to the other side of the world or mm. by other commitments and things like that. So and being able to deliver that in in a a really holistic view of of and and true to nature of what she's trying or what anyone's trying to you know convey to the audience through a hologram yeah. and. Could be deep. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. No, I get the point. Look, um, unfortunately, time's been. It's been a fascinating conversation. And I hope we've learned something too. Thank you, uh, Richard Saunders is the director of Iconics. Just speaking, content and immersive environments company in Australia. Simon Revley is the head of studio at Layered Reality Studios in the UK. They're bringing out the Elvis show, so look out for it later this year. That kicks off in London. Patricia Howis is uh, is an expert in the metaverse and Web three and AI. And it's got all sorts of interesting technologies around. And Shelley Brunt is with the with RMIT at the Music Industry Degree at the School of Media. Thanks to all of you. You've been listening to a Nightlife podcast. For more great conversations about the issues that impact you, as well as features on travel and food, head to the Nightlife webpage. You'll find it at abc.net.au slash nightlife. You don't need to be a night owl to enjoy the nightlife.